Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Today, our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, will welcome Eric Haley to the program. They'll be examining the spiritual implosion that is happening all around us in America today. Friends, would you help Watchmen on the Wall grow by inviting others to tune in? They can listen on the radio or through our SWRC mobile app. They can also access the program when they subscribe to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you for helping Watchmen on the Wall reach more people with the good news. Time to head into the studio and join Pastor Larry and his guest today, author Eric Haley. Dr. Eric Haley is our guest for this program and the next. He is a pastor in California, and he's a friend of Southwest Radio Church, has been listening since 1980. He has two books that we are offering. They're both excellent books. One is titled Invertebrate America, The Spiritual Implosion. This is a 144-page book under the title, There Are the Words of Isaiah 5, Verse 20, Woe Unto Them that call evil good and good evil. The other book that Dr. Haley has authored is titled, It Starts at the Dinner Table, What I Wish I Knew Before I Left Home. This is kind of a self-help, common sense, biblically oriented book that is geared to help 11 to 25-year-olds and set goals and plan out their life so that they enjoy success. Uh, This book is about 45 pages. It's a joy to read, very practical, very exciting. I really appreciate this kind of Christian writing that really gets down to the nitty-gritty with basic Bible truths, how to live, how to please God, how to be in good relationships with other people. Both of these books are eminently useful. Pastor Haley, thank you so much for being on our program. You are, I gather, quite familiar with the ministry of Southwest Radio Church. I really appreciate your faithfulness to this ministry. Thank you. It's a part of my mission work as I look at it. We're all on the same team. Amen. Tell us about the motivation for writing each book at the particular time when you wrote it. Well, I was greatly influenced by godly parents. Japheth and Mary Haley had eight kids. They brought us all up in the church. I was influenced by the Bible, I accepted the Lord at nine years of age. The one scripture that constantly fed my mind was First Chronicles 12:32, where it says, And the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding at the time to know what to do. So I wrote these books to help people know what to do in the times that we're living in so that they can relate to our time in history. Right. That was my motivation. It's just to pass on understanding from the Bible. On page 38 of your book, it starts at the dinner table. I love it. It says, our first images of God come through our parents. We must first learn to respect things that we see before we can trust God, who is an invisible spirit. And I think that is so true. Parents are so vitally important in the home. Even before we had uh, churches, synagogues, mosques, The family was the central worshiping unit, starting with Adam and Eve. That's why Satan wants to attack the family unit today. The family's in the crosshairs of the devil. Definitely. I was reading some statistics the other day that said the United States 
at the third highest divorce rate in the world. And that's definitely that God's design. Yes, and what about invertebrate America? I love the scripture that you have, Isaiah 520, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And I think we see so much of that today. You remember when we were growing up as teenagers, there was this thing called peer pressure. Well, I feel like the people in the social media have basically been influenced by so-called political correctness, peer pressure, and we've fallen victim to doctrines of demons. And and Invertebrate America was written to wake up America so that we would return to Jesus and the values and morality of the Bible. The Lord gave us the Bible for our happiness, for our joy, for our fulfillment, and especially that we would receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, have our sins forgiven, and have eternal life and be good witnesses for Him. Yes, someone said that the letters in the Bible stands for basic instructions Mm. before leaving earth. (laughs) I love that. One of my favorite authors is Jonathan Kahn. God has used him to wake us up spiritually because the doctrine of demons that Paul wrote about in the books of Timothy and he addressed it. We're in a visible warfare, and you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And so what's influenced our culture and making our leaders be politically correct is the influence of Baal. You know, he was the chief god in the ancient times, and his wife, Asherah, she was the fertility. And one thing about her, she boasted that she could transform men into women, and women into men, and we see that. And then the guy, uh, Molech, they offer human sacrifices. They literally threw their firstborn into the belly of this molten image. And that's akin to what we do with abortion today. I think we have so many pastors today, they ignore prophecy because they say prophecy is controversial. They ignore it because they say, well, it's difficult to understand and you have to study. And I think a pastor who doesn't study the Word is not worth very much. But I know you believe in the rapture and you believe that God has a plan for Israel. You believe that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. We see that in our country. Now, you did teach for 26 years. That was in public school? Yes, I taught mostly fifth and sixth grade for those 26 years, but I've also taught third grade, my first year of student teaching, and I've also taught at night school seminary, because I have a doctorate in theology. What's happened to young people in America? How have things changed? What do we see in the schools? It seems to me that now in the schools, there there's so much violence and anger, and I mean guns and drugs and rape and everything. Have you experienced that in your teaching career? Yes, well, the public school system used to be very safe, and it taught that America was created based on biblical principles. But the American public school system is bankrupt now, and they do all this politically correct stuff. One of the lies that Satan promulgates in our culture is that 10% of the world is is gay, but because I know for a fact probably 10% of teachers are gay, not the general population. And many of the leaders of teacher unions, I used to be vice president of Park Ransom School Teacher Union, and was very active there. I negotiated our contract. 
I went to a lot of state meetings on behalf of my district, and I learned a lot. So the gay community is very active in the public school system. Right. And school districts are afraid to be sued. That's why they just kind of give in to these type of forces. I've seen it the last two years of my teaching, kids would start saying things out loud that they think they're gay and all this stuff. Mm. And we had to be mute. We were basically censored. We couldn't really address it from the biblical point of view. Right. So the way I handled it, I was like, well, you need to talk about that with your parents. It's not something we discuss at school. I send them back to their parents. Right. It seems to me that we have moved so fast, so far, I don't know where it's going to stop or where it's going to end, but one thing I'm really happy with, I see men and women, Hispanics, African-American, other nationalities, a lot of them are very unhappy with the direction that our country is going in. I think it's probably people like yourself and others who have maintained the truth, and you've stood for righteousness, and I think people are saying, what's happened to us? And I praise the Lord for people and, you know, pastors like yourself who who preach the truth. It's best uh, people see Jesus in your behavior, in your morals, how you speak, how you listen, how you respect other people's beliefs, even though you don't believe certain things. You still show them kindness and love because that's what Jesus was in our example. Right. We're all supposed to be followers of Jesus Christ. Agape, love everybody, but speak the truth in love. I've never argued anybody's way into heaven. Yes. People appreciate it when they know you care about them. You know, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Mm. You'll win more people by being nice to, them, to the Lord than in trying to make a point, trying to get your point across. Well, Dr. Eric Haley is our guest. He is the pastor in California. We're talking about his two books that we're making available to our listening audience, Invertebrate America, and it starts at the dinner table. Dr. Haley, what do you want the readers to know about each book? You've got two books that we're offering. Tell us a little bit about what you want the readers to know about the books, why you wrote them, what's in them, and so forth. History is very important. Invertebrate America is written for people to know how we got from the founding of our country based on biblical principles. Even the Supreme Court said Christian nation. And so I want people to know our history. And by knowing your history, you have a better idea of who you are. It's been said by different historians that people that know their history are harder to defeat in a war. Right. Mm-hmm. It starts at the dinner table. It was written to give 11 to 25-year-olds some direction for planning out their lives. And that way they won't drift. That age group seems to not have the same values and morals that we were brought up with. Right. And so I just wanted to give them absolute truth because in our colleges, professors say things like there's no such thing as absolute truth, then you have to say, well, that's not absolutely true. <laughs> yep. So like a catch-22. So just give people direction to know what the truth is, give them peace of mind, and have a purpose in life. Looking at the world, at our country, 
I think it's very easy to become bitter and cynical, and we don't want to become bitter and cynical. You talk about the importance of forgiveness. This is in your book. It starts at the dinner table. You say, when I was working as a sales executive for a large corporation, I covered 38 accounts in parts of four states. This one store owner had seven stores. He had a misunderstanding of what my job was. He thought I was his stock boy. I had to explain to him that part of my job was to train his employees to stock his shelves and run the store, not me. He tried to get me fired and wrote three letters complaining about me. My boss told me that the company knew this owner was lying and simply prejudiced against minorities and not to worry about it. I took the high road and did what the Bible said to do towards our enemies. Luke 6, 28 tells us, bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. So instead of trying to retaliate for this man's false accusations against me, I did what the Bible told me to do. And I think I'm certainly a conservative and you're a conservative We can be very cynical and lack compassion. Jesus maintained the truth, but he showed a love. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do, that kind of thing in, I believe, Luke 23. How does one who holds a strong stand for righteousness and truth, and we never want to vary from that, but how do we, you know what Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love? What's your secret to that? Because I think you do that very well. I try to be, first of all, a good listener. And while I'm listening, I'm silently praying, asking the Holy Spirit Mm. to speak through me because we all have different backgrounds. And so I ask the Holy Spirit to put in my heart what to say to that person. I try to take me out of the equation. And again, I try to be controlled by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will lead us in all truth. The least known person of the Godhead is the Holy Spirit. But yet, the difference between the Old Testament and New Testament, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament went and came, but in New Testament saints, he stays in our hearts. He stays in us. So we can access his truth, his guidance in any and every situation, and he'll lead you to what to say to that person because each individual is different. And by relying on the Holy Spirit, he will use you as a human instrument to be a living witness and it'll touch that person's heart. And sooner or later, usually when people are by themselves, they face the truth. When they're in front of a crowd, they may act out, try to embarrass you or something. But when the truth hits, they know it. And sooner or later, they'll come to Christ. And that's the ultimate goal. I'm just a living witness of Jesus Christ. And I want to try to get as many people to heaven as possible while I'm on this earth. Tell us, why did you target the 11 to 25-year age groups in your book, It Starts at the Dinner Table? What's unique, or why target that group? Well, one of the reasons I target that group because the enemy has targeted that group. Mm, right. You know, people like, hey, give me your children, and I'll control the future. And by targeting that group, I'm trying to, in a practical way, whether they've ever stepped foot in church or not, give them some ideas on how to use foundational truths to plan out their lives in an indirect way, make Jesus the center of their decision. So I've had lots of money, but when I was not living in the will of God, that money didn't really mean that much. So success is really yielding 
to the truth. And through social media, this group has been taken advantage of. And instead of searching and doing due diligence, and because these little clips and short videos, it's emotional. The enemy is dumbing down issues, and people are just reacting to what they see on a short video clip. Right. Instead of the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I'm trying to give them some tools to rightly divide the word of truth until they come to the right conclusion. So they'll be successful. Dr. Uh, Eric N. Haley has been our guest. He has two books, Invertebrate America, and then It Starts at the Dinner Table, What I Wish I Knew Before I Left Home. We have more from Eric Haley coming up on our next Watchman on the Wall program. One of the books we heard about today is Invertebrate America by Eric Haley. Invertebrate America gives an overview of America's declining moral and spiritual values from a biblical perspective. It explains God's impending judgment on a nation that calls evil good and good evil. It shares how biblical prophecy is being fulfilled right before our very eyes. This insightful book sheds light on the coming one-world government and one-world religion. Make sure you order your copy of Invertebrate America today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Staff evangelist Josh Davis comes now to share the latest evidence that we are closer than ever to the globalist goal of a complete and total one world system. The World Economic Forum met in Davos, Switzerland on January the 16th through the 20th, 2023. I want to bring you some updates today about what came out of that in part. And the theme of this year's forum, as they stated directly on their website, was, quote, cooperation in a fragmented world, end quote. By choosing the term fragmented, I think that they are conveying they want to view world events, whether it be COVID-19 pandemic or the war in Ukraine or climate change, as being divisive threats to a stable world economy. And by choosing the the word cooperation, they convey that they want to see the world come together to solve the issues that fragment us. And while there's nothing that I think is inherently sinister with wanting cooperation and better communication, for instance, how they seek to go about these things, though, reveals that there really is a one-world globalist agenda at work in our world today. And they view their role as being the protectors and the advancers of the world economy. In reality, though, what they're doing is moving us toward a one-world economy. This is a highlight of the Antichrist rule during the Great Tribulation period as described for us right out of the Bible in Revelation 13. See especially verses 16 to 18, and you can see this one-world economy right there in the pages of Scripture. The world is being prepared to accept this solution to our complex global issues. The Antichrist will eventually take advantage 
of this conditioned thought pattern and will advance his own agenda. And with the key economic world leaders on board, the rest of the population has to. They, they will be forced to follow if they want to survive. So if people want to eat, for instance, they're going to pay for it however they must if they want to survive. One of the key lines of reasoning behind the theme for this year's World Economic Forum reveals how these people really think, their worldview, their perspective, what goes through their mind. Here's a quote from their website, quote, The basic tenet of the program is the premise that the current crises, as serious as they are, are manifestations of larger systemic deficiencies accrued over time, end quote. In other words, the current energy and food crises, for example, are happening because of thinking locally instead of thinking globally. To think locally, and by locally I mean your individual life, your local community, your local business, the place where you work, that is viewed as being selfish. And that is be viewed as being small-minded, according to the World Economic Forum. It is further revealed in their very next statement uh, these current crises are, quote, also the result of a narrow vision of systems as sectors rather than true multidisciplinary networked entities that are highly dynamic, particularly in the context of the metatrends of the fourth industrial revolution and climate change, end quote. Now, that's a mouthful. I know there's a lot there, so let's peel back the layers of exactly what they're communicating. They reason that since individuals and businesses tend to look out for their own interests and their small sphere of expertise and influence, that we are losing the big picture of how it is all connected. So they are increasingly putting on more and more peer pressure among elites and business leaders, economic leaders, political leaders to quit thinking small-mindedly. Stop thinking about your country. Stop thinking about your problems. Stop thinking about your business. So this global vision sees, for example, the auto industry working together with the financial sector, the technology sector, not merely to advance the technology in their vehicles, or the price of their vehicles, or how they're going to finance their vehicles. No, but to help solve the energy crises. Why do you think we see such a push to electronic vehicles? They're trying to solve these bigger issues going on in the world. They're not just trying to build cars. They're trying to solve the energy crises, climate change, workforce development issues, food shortages, and more. All of this is linked together, dear friends. They think that to view systems as individual sectors is thinking too narrowly. They don't want the world leaders and citizens to think in terms of the financial sector, the technology sector, the healthcare sector, the government sector. No, instead, they want us to think in terms of the whole as they promote greater communication and collaboration to help the world solve its complex issues. And so to that end, the 2023 World Economic Forum, which was just completed in January, focused on 
five main themes. One of them addressed, quote, the current energy and food crises in the context of a new system for energy, climate, and nature, end quote. So in their thinking, quote, energy transition and climate change are inextricably linked, end quote. They desire to help the world accelerate energy transition by, quote, this is what they said, decoupling economic growth from energy consumption, end quote. So the countries, the companies, the individuals that consume the most energy to advance their economic success now have a target painted on their backs. The World Economic Forum desires to protect planet Earth, and they're trying their best to reverse climate change. But consistent with their agenda for thinking globally in a one-world sense, this goal is not only theirs. They share this goal with others. They want to help, quote, the world meet the 2030 targets, end quote. I thought that was interesting. Why would they include that in their description of part of their goals for this World Economic Forum? Where have we heard that phrase 2030 targets before? Oh, yeah, that's right. From the United Nations, they have a 2030 agenda that they call it. You can look this up online. It's right there for you and for all the world to see a 2030 agenda to transform the world through sustainable development. The World Economic Forum wants to link it all together. Another agenda that they addressed was the war in Ukraine and other what they call geopolitical risks. As nation turns against nation, whether it be in war in division or in competition, quote, the geopolitical vein turned from cooperation to competition, end quote, says the World Economic Forum. And true to their form, they offer a solution for this. Here is their solution. Listen to this, quote, there is a growing need for a new global system that is more stakeholder based and equipped to handle the dynamics of the 21st century, end quote. Wow, I can't believe they said that. They are straightforward with their solutions. Did you catch it? They said they want a new global system. To solve every problem, the World Economic Forum finds a globally centered solution. And this follows perfectly with what the Bible teaches about the one world government and economy during the Great Tribulation. While the World Economic Forum believes it's doing what's best for the world, Ultimately, they're setting the stage for the end times rule of the Antichrist. Do not forget, dear friends, the book of Revelation does not describe the enemy's victory. The Antichrist and his fleeting one world system is going to fall. Jesus' eternal rule and kingdom will thrive in perfection forever. Remember the words of Jesus found in Luke 21, 28. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up. And lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Invertebrate America by Eric Haley is a wake-up call to those who are searching for the truth and purpose of this world's existence. Order your copy of Invertebrate America today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can always order at our website, swrc.com. 
More clarity to the chaos is coming up on tomorrow's Watchmen on the Wall. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.